Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship this fine Sunday morning. It's a pleasure to have you all here, especially our guests and visitors. Thank you for joining us this morning as we gather on God's grace of the gospel. Uh, <clears throat> you know, as Christians, we have a pretty, um, pretty good thing going for us, especially when you consider, and we'll look at it in Bible class today, too, how we have this God who has sent his son to save us, and yet every single day we struggle to fight our sins, and, and oftentimes, more often than not, we fail. And yet this same God, because he is full of grace, lets you come to him again and again and again and say, I'm sorry, I did it again. But because of his son, he looks at you and he says, you know, that's okay. Jesus has fixed that for you. I don't know if that's something we, we do often enough, is go to our God and say, I, I repent of my sins, and I ask that you continue to give me the grace that your Son has earned for me, and, and then respond with thanks and praise. But that's what we get to talk about today. Uh, we'll be looking at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and he, he talks to them a little bit about how they revert back to the things that they once were. But he says, that's not who you are anymore. And so he says, act like it. And so that'll be our sermon for this morning. That's kind of the theme of our service as well. Uh, everything that you need for your service is printed in your worship folder. Uh, if you wish to follow, follow in the hymnal, we'll be following the order of the common service on page 15. However, do note that we will be using hymn 305 as our confession this morning and our absolution. So that will be printed in the front of your worship folder as well. So take note of that. With that, we ask that God bless our worship and we begin with our opening hymn.
Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. draw near the true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. given his only son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O oh God, protector of all the faithful, you alone make strong, you alone make holy. Show us your mercy and forgive our sins day by day. Guide us through our earthly lives that we do not lose the things you have prepared for us in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Our first lesson for this morning comes from the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 33. The year of King Manasseh, uh, who does not do right in the eyes of the Lord, and it would appear that the Lord punishes him dearly for it, the way uh, it reads out here. However, as you read to the end of this section of Scripture, we see that this is not Lord, the Lord's punishment, but this is the Lord's discipline. The Lord cares about Manasseh and his people that much that he would discipline the, them as he does in uh, for Second Chronicles here, as we read about King Manasseh and his people. Manasseh was 12 years old and he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Following the detestable practices of the nations, the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had demolished. He also erected altars to the Baals and made Asherah poles. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and he worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his children in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, practiced divination and witchcraft, sought omens, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. In his distress he sought the favor of the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Afterward, he rebuilt the outer wall of the city of David, west of the Gion Spring in the valley, as far as the entrance of the fish gate and encircling the hill of Ophel. He also made it much higher. He stationed military commanders in all the fortified cities in Judah. He got rid of the foreign gods and removed the image from the temple of the Lord, as well as all the altars he had built on the temple hill and in Jerusalem. And he threw them out of the city. And he restored the altar of the Lord and sacrificed fellowship offerings and thank offerings on it. And told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. The people, however, continued to sacrifice at the high places, but only to the Lord their God. The other events of Manasseh's reign, including his prayer to his God and the words the seer spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, are written in the annals of the kings of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. We continue with our Psalm of the Day, Psalm 32, on page 78 in front of your candles.
second lesson for this morning, the text for our sermon as well, comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is the word of the Lord. Alleluia. May your priests be clothed with righteousness. May your saints sing for joy. Alleluia. morning comes from Luke chapter 7 where we see Jesus demonstrate to the Pharisees that there is no sin which he cannot and will not forgive when you come to him in true repentance. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him, and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which, one of, the, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, You see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the gospel of the Lord. our common faith in this graceful God of ours according to the words of the Nicene Creed printed on page 7 of your worship folders. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one
one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, but being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated as we continue with our hymn of the day in 479.
loves us and has freed us from our sins by his own blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be power and glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to start with a question for you. Who are you? It's a simple question, but I mean, really, who are you? There are a lot of answers to that question. You could answer people in multiple different ways, depending on who's asking you and for what reason. Perhaps you tell people, well, I'm so-and-so's father, and I'm the grandfather or the grandmother of so-and-so junior. Perhaps you might identify yourself with your profession instead. I'm the teacher at the school, I teach this grade, or I'm the pastor at Shepherd of the Lakes. Or as I've learned in my year here, and, and to my shame, because I'm just amazed, I could never be this active. All you'd have to do in town is Sam Tony Rosner, and everybody knows who you are. Maybe instead, though, however, you don't even have to ask who people are to figure out who they are. You know, if you see somebody walking to Walmart after work and they have Richard's Auto clothes on, you realize they're probably a mechanic at Richard's Auto there. Or if you're in Fleet Farm and you see someone with a raggedy t-shirt and jeans and they're asking for a new shear pin for their baler, you probably realize they're a farmer who's not having the greatest day. Or if you go to the Dollar Tree and you see someone in their late teens or early 20s loading up on ramen noodles and whatever other food is on sale at the Dollar Tree, you realize they're probably a student who's just buying lunch for them. Who are you? Maybe the question that we really need to ask ourselves is, when God looks at you, who does he see? Who are you? Maybe a simpler question is, who do we want God to see when he looks at us? Which we all know the answer to. We all want him to see his children. We want him to see us as those forgiving children who are redeemed by his son, who walk in his will, who love his ways, and who follow his commands on this earth out of thankfulness for all the sins that he's forgiven. When God looks at you, you ever have those days where you feel like God is staring at you and he has to ask you, who are you? Who are you? You know, the Corinthians in their church life at this point were kind of there. They were doing so well. So Paul had to speak so harshly to them in our lesson today. They seemed to have been sliding backwards from everything that they had learned and everything they had grown to be. They, they seemed to be fighting with each other. And, and where we are in 1 Corinthians, Paul's talking about lawsuits that they are just taking against each other constantly. And he says, why are you so concerned about being wronged and cheated? Before a text, he says, just be wronged and be cheated. Their attitudes as Christians, their love as Christians had started to fall again. And they were starting to slide back into ways that they had previously left after they had heard the gospel. Paul says, that's not who you are anymore. He says, you're going back into the ways that are no different than when you were idolaters and when you were sexual offenders and when you were cheaters and slanderers. He says, your attitude is no different than it was. And I'm sure... Paul wanted to look at them and say, if God looks at you, I'm sure he says, who are you? So that's the important question. 
Paul tells the Corinthians, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. These kinds of people who have this attitude that you do, whose heart has the same problem, those people don't inherit the kingdom of God. When he says don't be deceived, what, what Paul means is, what, what he says in the Greek is, don't get distracted. It has to do with wandering off the beaten path. When you're so focused and you're following your goal, and all of a sudden something distracts you, and pretty soon you're wandering, and you're not really sure what you're doing at this point. And that's where the Corinthians were. It wandered from everything Paul taught them, but it tells him, don't be deceived. Don't get lost. Don't forget everything that you've learned from the gospel and who you are. But Paul tells you and me as well, don't be deceived. Because when you have God look at us, we don't want him to look at us and go, who are you? We don't want to wander far away from what we have learned in the scriptures and the gospel and revert back to everything that we used to be. <coughs> Claiming to live one way, but really living another in our hearts. Loving other things in our hearts where our heart is just as corrupt as it was before. But it happens every single day. This is why Paul has recorded this. This is why the Holy Spirit has kept the scripture around for thousands and thousands of years because we need to hear every day how we need to repent and how we need to come to the Lord and admit our faults and admit that we revert back daily, regularly to our sinful ways and our sinful attitudes because our sinful spiritual enemies try to drag us backward and they win so often in our lives. But don't be deceived. Don't start wandering. Don't think that you're doing just fine and really you're off in left field and have no idea what you're doing. You know, you can tell yourself anything you want to about the sins that you revert back to. You can tell yourself anything about how it's okay because of this reason or how it's justified because this happened. And, but it doesn't matter. We can come up with every excuse in the book to try to make a good reason as to why we do what we do. But the point of the matter is, is that it's still wrong. I'm sure the Corinthians had every reason to do the things they were doing by cheating and wronging people with lawsuits, but they were still sinning. Because no matter how you seem to justify your actions, the problem is the Lord doesn't look at just your actions. The Lord looks a lot deeper than that. He looks farther. You can fool other people, but you can't fool the Lord. He made it pretty clear when uh, Samuel was picking David to be king. He, he made it pretty clear that he doesn't just look at people's appearances and their actions. He looks at their hearts. He said the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God knows the truth. Job said it too. He said you can't just deceive God like a mere mortal. Paul said in Galatians that we can't fool ourselves into thinking that God doesn't really know what's going on in our lives. So if God were looking at you revert back to who you no longer are, would he have to look at you and say, who are you? As your heart begins to bubble over with all these actions and all these attitudes that used to be you, as these things just corrode away at who you really are now, don't be deceived. Because the people who don't do those things don't inherit the kingdom of God. Those are the wicked. 
Those are the unchurched who are not part of the Holy Christian Church. Those are the actions of, of those people, but that's not who you are. This is who some of you were, Paul said, but who are you now? You see, they definitely weren't who they appeared to be. They appeared to be realigning themselves with the sinful nature that rules the world. But Paul reminds them that that's not who they are any longer. This is who they used to be. But Paul's calling them to repentance and showing them who they really are. Paul's calling them to crawl to the feet of Jesus, just like the woman in our gospel, that, that woman who led a sinful life, as Luke records it, as she crawls at Jesus' feet with tears, knowing who she was and knowing who Jesus was and what he had come to do for her and every other sinner out there. Paul calls the Corinthians out. Paul calls us out on all of our garbage and all the things that we keep doing over and over so that we might be just like that woman, crawl to Jesus with tears so that we might receive forgiveness. Because no matter what you used to be, and every one of us we used to be those things, the, the, like the sexually immoral, the greedy, the slanderers, the idolaters, adulterers, and even if those were just what we were in our hearts so other people couldn't see him, God knew. And so we crawled to Jesus with that repentant heart, with tears of sorrow. And Jesus looks at you and he says, your sins are forgiven. And pretty soon our tears of sorrow are turned to tears of joy. And we continue to just weep at Jesus' feet. Your sins are forgiven you. When you come to Jesus in sorrow, with repentance and contrition, seeing the need to be changed by Him, Jesus looks at you, and by His Spirit He washes you, He sanctifies you, and He justifies you. I, I wish you could see it in the English, but when Paul really wrote, he, he was very strong about it. Before each of those, sanctified uh, and uh, washed, sanctified and justified, his very strong butt in there, he says, this is what you once were, but you have been sanctified, but you have been washed, but you have been sanctified. He's so strongly showing them in his writing who they were and how it's so different from night and day what Jesus has done for them and his death and his life and what they receive through faith now. But this is who you are now, Paul says. Paul makes it very clear who you are. Who are you? Well, you are sanctified. You have been set apart. You have been made holy by the righteousness that Christ had lived and given for you. You've been washed. Washed in the waters of baptism. Washed with Christ's blood. And you've been justified. You've been declared not guilty by the Almighty Judge of all in His courtroom. So that you have no fault, no guilt, no sin, nothing that could ever point back at you and say that you've done this wrong. That's who you are. That's who God wants you to be. That is who God has made you to be. You know, no one likes to be called out. No one likes to be rebuked. Nobody likes to get in trouble. But Paul does it here. Because he wants them to have that gospel truth in their hearts. He wants them to receive the forgiveness Christ has won for them and not lose it. He wants you and me to do the same thing. 
so we don't slide back. And I'll tell you what, the Lord will do anything to bring you back to Him. Look what He did to Manasseh. The Assyrians were not very nice people. They, they would carry people with hooks on their nose and drag them away to Babylon. But the Lord did that so that Manasseh might see his ways and return to him. So he might crawl back, humble himself, and recognize the Lord for who he is as a faithful and forgiving God who deserves to be followed with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Who are you? Brothers and sisters, you are redeemed children of God. You have been washed, you have been sanctified, and you have been justified in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord by the Spirit of our God. Who are you? Well, you're righteous. You are a people who have been given a new heart just as God promised back in the Old Testament. God had said in Jeremiah, I will give them, that's his people, a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. You are a people who know God. You are a people who know his love and forgiveness. You are a people who know his will. You are a new people in Jesus Christ. These things that Paul mentions are who you were, but not anymore. You were a people whose attitude was everything that hated God, but now you crawl to Jesus' feet with tears of repentance and sorrow. And he looks at you and he says, you are forgiven. And the great news about that is Jesus' cross never goes null and void. It never goes old or expires. Every single day, Martin Luther reminded us, we need to drown the old Adam because he just keeps coming back up. And every single day, we need to crawl to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness. And every single day, he looks at you and he says, you are forgiven. And then he stands you up and he says, you're new now. So go, live in joy and go live in peace. Who are you? God knows who you are. God has made you who you are. And so taking advantage of that daily repentance and that daily forgiveness, continue to return to the Lord with all your heart, thanking Him for everything He's ever given to you. So that at the end of the age, He might not come back and leave you outside the door to heaven, telling you, I don't know you or where you came from, but instead, so that we might come to Him and he might instead look at you and say, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since before the creation of the world. Because that is who you are. That is who God has made you to be. Thank God for his grace and faithfulness. And thank God for this new creation that he has made us to be. Because we could never have done it on our own. And never shall we find joy outside of that fact. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, keep our hearts and our minds safe in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join together in our sermon response that created me printed for you on page 8 of your worship book.
Please be seated as we collect our offering for this morning. Father, we praise and glorify you for the unsurpassed gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We confess that we are unworthy sinners who have transgressed your will and word. We repent of our evil and pray for the faith that trusts utterly and completely in the righteousness of Christ Jesus for our forgiveness. Open our hearts to the mighty power of your word. Teach us to depend on your holy sacrament for spiritual strength. Grant that our minds may be renewed in righteousness that our consciences may be stirred to choose the good, and that every thought, word, and deed may be brought into captivity to Christ. Give to your church ministers and teachers who have the faithfulness and courage of true prophets, that your people may be built up in faith, abound in good works, rejoice in your love, and finally enter your heavenly kingdom. We pray for our beloved country. Give us citizens who perceive that the standard of all that is right is not personal advancement or private favor, not public opinion or party platform, but your holy will. Lavish your grace on all families that each home may, by its Christian loving character, be for our children a foretaste of the joy and blessedness of our heavenly home. For all who are in any sickness, pain, anguish, or suffering, for all who are in any danger of body or soul, we pray. Teach them to turn to you and wait on you for mercy. Grant them hope and a joyous deliverance from all their trials, and let them walk in your light all their days. Lord, we especially come to you this morning on behalf of the family of Janelle Eckelberg, whose brother has recently passed away last week. We ask that as the Lord of life and death, you continue to comfort their family with your promises in the scripture. Continue to give them your presence, and continue to lift them up that they might trust in you, and that their faith may not be shattered at this moment in their lives. We also come to you this morning, Lord, on behalf of Terry and Deb Barnes, who are celebrating their 41st anniversary. As you continue to bless them in their marriage, we ask that you give them many more years to be able to reflect your love for each other, that they might be able to enjoy their lives in your grace and be able to thank you with all that they say and do. Lord, we come to you now with our private petitions.
These things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our refuge and our hope, who has also taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you.
Please be seated as you now invite all communicant members of Shepherd of Lakes, one of our sister congregations in the Wisconsin Synod, who wish to receive Lord's Supper, to come forward.
the true blood of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith into life everlasting. Be of good cheer and know that your sins are forgiven you and that you may depart in peace. Amen. Please stand as we continue with the song of Simeon. being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. <laughs> 